0: Today you're listening to episode 271 and I'm talking with Christian Taylor. Christian is a triple jumper. He is a two-time Olympic champion, a four-time world champion, and a seven-time Diamond League champion. Christian is a Florida Gator and now competes for Nike. He is a classroom champion mentor and he recently founded The Athletics Association, which he is the president of. The Athletics Association is an independent body that will protect and advance the future of athletics by unifying and defending the voice of elite track and field athletes worldwide, ensuring that they are at the heart of the decision-making process. We get to hear all about Christian's career as well as the Athletics Association in this interview. It was a great conversation, and I'm truly honored to have him on the podcast today. I do want to mention the audio is not quite up to my normal standard. I'm sad about it. I tried to get it fixed. We tweaked it as best as we could, but um, my side specifically of the interview is just a little bit muffled. So it's not the quality that we normally put out over here on this podcast, but I think that you'll get used to it after the first like two or three minutes of the interview. So if this is your first time to the podcast, I promise the audio quality is much more clear than this normally. It doesn't take away from the greatness of this conversation though. So stick around and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, exciting that Christian was able to stay on for an extra 15 minutes as well for our Patreon supporters. So if you support the show over on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to extended conversations with some of our guests and one of them being Christian Taylor. All right. You can find Christian on Instagram. He is tailored to the number two jump. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 Make sure you check out the other two podcasts in the Sandy Way Productions Podcast Network, the Illuminate Podcast, and the Up and Running Podcast. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Christian Taylor. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Christian Taylor to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Christian. Thanks, Lindsay. Really excited to have you on. Two time Olympian, four time world champion, seven time Diamond League champion. Am I reading the credentials right?
1: You are correct. Hit them <laughs> all with the head.
0: How are you doing? Where are you at?
1: Right now I'm in Vienna, Austria. Um, so, wrapping up my day for sure. It's uh, 10 o'clock at night. And um, yeah, just uh, in, in a safe place. You know, it's it's really, they did a, fantastic job when it came to the pandemic that we're all in and and uh, my fiance is Austrian so this is why I'm here uh, for those listening and wondering why I'm out here Um, but yeah no I I get to now be with uh, my fiance her family and and yeah in a much safer place because previously I was in uh, Jacksonville Florida and if you see any of the news this was one of the hottest spots in the U.S. so I just figured I need to get out of there.
0: Wow. Was that crazy traveling, though? Like, did you have to do like major quarantine restrictions once you got there? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, it was very difficult. So actually, the first time I, I tried to fly, I was rejected um, because there is currently a EU US ban, uh, travel ban. So that was unsuccessful. I was doing many calls to the embassy. Now um, I've found some some people on Facebook, some other Americans in Austria. So they kind of helped me out. Um, but had to book a almost a, a next day flight um, to to find a different route, but I needed to have two negative tests before I came here, um, and then I had to take also another test um, at the airport once I landed, and then I was in quarantine until the results came back. So, um, again, you know, I, I'm all for uh, the safety precautions because again, this is why the the levels are are so low right now. Um, because they're not just letting anybody and everybody and, and you need to have all the paperwork. But again, I also had invitation letters and and uh, proof of residency. So it, it, it was really not an easy process, but um, after about three weeks of research, we finally got it done.
0: Well, first of all, I'm honored that you're like doing this at 10 p.m. because I'm not doing anything at 10 p.m. So
1: yeah.
0: thank you so much.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. it This it comes with a time difference, right?
0: Yeah. Do you, are you a night owl? Do you stay up late?
1: I normally do stay out late. Um, okay. normally I train at nine, ten o'clock. And so, um, yeah, I can really run off of a little sleep anyway.
0: Oh, jealous of you people, uh, that do that. So was, was going to Austria, was it twofold? Like you wanted to be with your fiance and it made more sense for you guys to be there because it's safer there. Or was it, what, why were the exact reasons that you went?
1: Yeah. I I didn't see my fiance for six months. So she actually, she was in Florida, um, in January and then had to come back home. And unfortunately, once she left the uproar of the pandemic happened, so that, that really sucked. Um, and then we were apart for six months. So I would say anyone that's listening, you know, just never take for granted the time you spend with somebody and also those goodbyes, you know, like, yeah, I, I know it sounds super cheesy, but I thought she was coming home for two weeks and then was coming back in six months later, you know, we got, we were reunited. So um, definitely any times we say goodbye, like, yeah, we, we were really like, hey, you know, make this one count. Um, but then, yeah, uh, it was really just to be in a better environment. In Florida, it was just, when I was going to the grocery store, I was just almost so fearful of, of you know, my surroundings and, and to be honest, nobody was wearing masks and, wow. and there was so many, like conspiracy theories and things like, you know, and I was just like, please just wear a mask. Like, I don't care. Like you can do your thing, but like just wear a mask, you know? Um, and so this was just very frustrating being apart from her. And then also competitive wise, um, in the U S everything was shut down. I mean, I didn't have a track for over three months and as a track and field athlete, this is quite important. So, um, you know, the, the, Track got shut down. The weight room got shut down. And, and because they actually did a proper shutdown here, things were open about a month later. Wow. And so I just thought, OK, well, the facilities would be, you know, safe and, and back in order. So there were just so many signs that just told me to, to get out. And then the last thing was, you know, um, to be really honest with all the killings and all the injustices and things that were going on, um, it was really starting to take a, a negative toll on me. And my parents just told me, like, if I can get out, go, Um, because I don't want to say I was getting into a depression, but I I really felt that watching the news was, whether it's the reality or or not, you know, it was just hard to swallow every day. Um, And so it was like, I just need to get into a better environment. and, And yeah, all that just brought me over here.
0: Wow. I'm curious, you know, a lot of people talk about there was, everybody was posting about Black Lives Matter. And, you know, there was the Blackout Tuesday and there was this really strong buzz. Like everybody was in huge support of like, let's stand up for these racial injustices. Um, And now, well, gosh, there was an awful shooting yesterday. I don't know if you saw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I feel like the hype has kind of died down a little bit and people are kind of left feeling like, What? Where do I go now? Because I'm not wanting to post every single day. This is all my feed is, but I still want to be active and proactive in this movement against racial injustice. So like, I'm curious as a black man, what are your feelings in in that regard?
1: So even in the the midst of it, even at the hot, you know, when it was a popular thing, a trending thing, unfortunately, but you know, when it was such a hot topic, the thing I was really pushing was that... The organizations that felt pulled, the people that felt pulled, the people that were protesting. Yeah, if you're protesting, protest peacefully. I've, I've always stood beside this. Um, but the biggest effort for me should have been put on working with the organizations that have been previously fighting this fight and will continue it when it's not the, the big thing. Um, you know, this is what they're focused on. And so whether I was speaking to the USOPC, whether I was speaking to my sponsors, um, you know, personally, and, and whether I was speaking to foundations that I work with, um, with some of them saying, hey, we had no idea what, what you may have experienced or we, we you know, we're not uh, almost aware of what was going on uh, to the fact of, you know, what can we do? And for me, I was really consistent with saying partner with an organization that knows this fight that will continue going on. And, and, and for me, that is, you know, I, I am grateful, unfortunately, for the situation because it did bring light, um, you know, to an issue that, that really is lying below the surface. But, um, more than that, as you said, when it dies down, what happens to the flame? Mm. And if it's not continuing to be fanned, it will go out. And so this, this is again, my cry, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for those that have been hurt and, and, and for those that have experienced these injustices and, and, and all this, but at the end of the day, what will get something done is working and funding and supporting those that have already been doing this fight and will continue doing it when it's not popular anymore.
0: Wow. That's so good. Um, putting you on the spot, is there an organization you recommend?
1: Um, well, believe it or not, actually, the Athletics Association, um, we are in the midst of, if action, up and coming auction. Um, so I, I, don't want to give up, uh, too much, uh, with our association, but, um, I, I would just say that it, it's really very easy to find organizations that, um, have been fighting this fight, you know, uh, whether it's injustice, whether it's, um, minorities, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, b- because of course you, you have to be very careful if, if there are, there is a the fight of the Black Lives Matter, then there's a lot of, um, Minorities crying out. Well, we, we are facing injustices also, and there's a glass ceiling for us. And and so um, I, I would just say it's it's very easy to find, and and the athletics association is, is very excited uh, to partner with some of them. Um, there are some pledges and some runs, and and as I said, some auctions that that will be coming out shortly. Um, ho- like knock on wood, in the next two weeks. So oh, cool. um, that, that is that is going to be something I'm I'm really um, pushing because you know. A, a, I don't want to say it's not our fight, but the thing is, there are people that are armored and and motivated and, and ready to do it and, and know how to do it. You know, maybe they just need that additional support. So,
0: okay, that's awesome. So Athletics Association, you guys are partnering with some of these organizations that right. you're talking Correct. about. Okay. Yes. Very exciting. Well, I will help spread that word once you guys announce it. I'm super Thank excited you. you're doing that. Um. Well, let's just talk about the Athletic Association since since it's been brought up. Let's start there. Um, Why and how and what? Why don't we share all that with everybody? What is the Athletics Association?
1: Right. So the Athletics Association is an independent body. I want to highlight independent um, body of athletes that are working together to actually magnify, amplify the athlete's voice. Um, And also, uh, and I'd like to say, maybe even most importantly, protect, and, and save our sport. Um, you know, there, there is really a, a power imbalance. There has, there has been this lack of control, lack of power that has been given to the agents and the meeting directors and, and even the governing body. And the athletes, unfortunately, even to this day, still remain at the bottom of the totem pole, though they are identified as the major stakeholders. So without going into too much detail, we are really a group of athletes trying to empower, trying to, to magnify. Um, and, and to give the athletes a seat at the table, influence and, and their voice, you know, it's not one thing to just be heard, but also that we have influence that we can uh, propose things that we can actually stir the pot a little bit. And, and and like I said, hopefully um, be in a position to save the sport.
0: Yeah. So you had this idea, like you thought, why don't the athletes have a voice? And I always think, you know, we go through life and we get these big ideas and then we're like, well, this should happen. Like, I wish there was a I wish there was some way that athletes could have a voice. But then you were like, well, there's not. So I'm going to take it upon myself to make that happen. What did that look like? That's scary.
1: Yeah. To believe it or not. So it was um, last yeah, beginning of last year. um, I, I just kept hearing these rumors about events being removed from the diamond league uh every olympic year they're saying there's going to be track and field of disciplines that are removed from the games and i think th- this does not make sense that all these disciplines make up athletics make up track and field so how can we even have a discussion about removing a discipline you would never go to football and say you know what we don't want the wide receivers because they're expending the pitches too much or the safeties we don't see them no they're all part of the game and, and in the same fashion, that's how we should think. We are all parts of this body that make up track and field. And so, yeah, I started hearing all these rumors about disciplines being removed. And, and I thought, OK, let me be proactive. Let me speak to the media. Let me speak to my agent. Let me speak to uh, fellow athletes about what they may know and, and if something would happen, what we could do. All year, I was, uh, was really brainstorming and, and really in lobbies before and after meetings, just speaking, reaching out, seeing what people knew. Um, and everyone was like, it's rumors, don't worry about it. Then come November, uh, the decision was, was put out there, the four events were removed from the Diamond League, and I just thought, I, I cannot take it anymore. I was asking, nobody was presenting information, and then we get to the point where even my agent, the day before said, hey, just to give you a heads up, you, basically your career is, is almost, you know, gone. Um, and, and I thought, this is just not fair. So I really started speaking um, to close friends and, and, and other athletes to saying, hey, got an idea. Um, I don't know how this does not exist in our sport. Don't know how to go about it, but would you stand with me? And many, like, really many athletes globally were like, Christian, CT, if you're doing it, we're gonna back you and we're gonna figure it out. And this for me, was so special. Um, because I, I think you really, you don't know who your true friends are until your back is against the wall, you know, or you lose it all. And this was a moment that I was really trying to make it clear. This is not about my event being removed. it it is about my love for the sport and how it's just not going into the positive direction. Then I, I spoke to one of my, one of my best friends, um, from the business side and said, look, we're not a union because we don't have an employee employee relationship. What is another way we can go about this? while protecting our sport, and, and he really just stated, hey, you guys are not a union, but you can be an association, basically doing the same benefits, doing the same uh, effort, but it is under a different umbrella. And once we had this, he, and he helped me from the business side to kind of get a grasp of, of what we could do. The Athletics Association um, was born, and, and one month later, I was sitting with um, the president, Seb Co and John Ridgen, the CEO, um rinola villanine uh you know and and my 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 friend um talking about what we believe should happen could happen and and we're going to go from there
0: yeah so i mean do, once you decide i'm going to form the association do you or did your friend like do you then start reaching out to those governing body, bodies and say hey look this is what us the athletes are doing and that's how those meetings got set up
1: to be really honest. So how, how the one with Seb and, and John was really, um, my friend reached out to them and said, hey, uh, you know, because we, I think at this time we just started the Twitter. So, you know, it was just like, hey athletes, like be empowered, your voice matters. So, and the things we were getting traction because there were so many people upset, but not just the athletes, the audience was quite upset also. And we thought they are such a major stakeholder that no one is considering, no one is speaking to, well, let's let's partner with them also. Why, why not? You know, um, and what athletics really it caught their eye very quickly because we were getting so much uh, feedback and, and obviously they were getting quite a lot of criticism. So we reached out and said, hey, we'd love to meet. Uh, we we're really at the baby stage, the early stage. But we also want you to know we come in peace. This is really what we're fighting for, um, you know, and, and how we can go about it without stepping on anybody's toes. And and that was it.
0: That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So I want to... You brought up the Diamond League a little bit. And, you know, I've been doing this podcast for four years now. And when I started the show, I was very, like, clueless about anything outside of the Olympics world championships, diamond leagues. It was very, you know, I've learned so much, but I imagine a lot of the listeners might be like, well, what's the diamond league? What does this right. mean? So can you just kind of share the significance of your event and other events, the steeplechase? What was it? The discus? What else was it and being removed? 200. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. Um, so yeah, the diamond league is basically the cream of the crop. It is the top basically, off your event, but I would, I'm just generalizing the top 10 athletes in the world competing and 14 meetings globally. Um, so if you get the invite, if you get this lane, it's it's a big honor, um, you know? And so this is basically the, the biggest payday um, that most athletes will get. It is the best world ranking points that the athletes can get. Um, so it, I mean, to be in a race, to be competing in the Diamond League is, is where athletes want to be. So obviously um, there are a lot of contract ties to this because of the exposure because you are competing globally, because they know they're gonna get good exposure from the TV, Um, a lot of contracts are stipulated by you competing, you winning, your top three performances, whatever it may be. You can also imagine that when an event is removed, there's a significant hit to contracts as a lot of it depended on competing in the the Diamond League. So this, this was very difficult as we brought to the table that maybe this was not considered. And if it was considered, there should have been an alternative solution to financially help those that that would lose this income now. There was not. Um, I I want to say the blessing and the curse of of COVID has now put the Diamond League in a a unique situation where they are doing the trial and error and they're experimenting with many different things. But the Diamond League is not the Diamond League. Actually, for once, now everyone is feeling not being in the league. Everyone is feeling this new format. Everyone is, and this actually works in our favor because we can say, guys, you see, you were depending on these seven meetings. You were depending on these eight meetings. Now COVID has hit, you see how it hurts your wallet. Imagine those that have been removed. The fight is not also just to add the four that were removed, but we also are pushing for triathlons. We're also pushing to include the hammers. Because we think again, why why are these events excluded? Also, for for competition um, opportunities, they need the points. They they need to have have this competition because when you have two and three opportunities to make an Olympic Games to make a World uh, Championship, it's not easy. And so, this is what really the Athletics Association is trying to do. Of course, use that voice, but bring bring athletics back together.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm curious. Do you know, are there other sports, do other sports have these kind of associations?
1: I, I is this almost a dumb cannot, question. <laughs> no, the, the thing is for me, I felt silly because I cannot find a sport that does not have a player's association. <laughs> I, th- that is, that is the thing when, when I got invited to the international groups, when I got invited to the, the other associates, cause we work with uh, global athletes also, and they are um, an organization that helps up and coming associations, uh, independent bodies globally. And th- they were literally with open arms, like, well, where have you guys been? You know, you guys are almost the last at the table. We can help you get this in place. We can help you. I mean, from the website to, to I, I, the strategy, they, they were ready, but they were like, we don't, we did not understand how track and field did not have this. Huh. Um, so wow. it, it was really so shocking. I mean, and, and also global athletes has very close relationship with, with world player uh, associations. So, I mean, globally, all the sports has this except athletics or, or track and field. Wow. Um, you know, and so I, really I felt like I was doing a disjustice to my colleagues Because I thought, how am I now thinking of this? I should have done this five. Yeah, I just started my career in 2011. But I thought, you know, if I did this five years ago, maybe I could have helped how many athletes, you know, in their careers.
0: Wow, that's crazy. And I think I heard you mention on another podcast, um, isn't track and field, I know that we're talking about the Diamond Leagues, but like, isn't track and field the most watched sport on the Olympics, like on TV? It's,
1: it's that that is the thing that when you hear these things you know how is a how is a track and field athlete not empowered like wow the show okay we are not the the only show but we are a main portion of the show you know obviously swimming is is very big gymnastics is very big but athletics globally is the number one watch sport so if, if they athletes don't feel empowered, if they don't know, wow, actually what we bring to the table, you know, I, I don't know what else that you can say. So, um, even, even spreading that also, I, I hope will really stir something with, with a track and field athlete, no matter where they're, where they are.
0: Wow. Okay. So one of your first, um, kind of one of the first things that you guys were, are working towards is this, um, Rule 50, like making sure that people have the ability to protest or whatever they want to do um, during the game. So can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. Um, so between Rule 40 and Rule 50, obviously there's a lot of work to be done. Um, we Wait, have-
0: Explain what's Rule 40 and what's Rule okay, 50. Sorry, so Rule sorry. 40
1: um, is is the ruling around sponsorships that you cannot, if they're not an Olympic sponsor, you cannot advertise for them. They cannot, they cannot share- Um, which is, which is crazy, but they cannot even uh, congratulate you on a a performance. So there cannot be any kind of tie between a sponsor and the athlete. If they're not officially an Olympic sponsor, obviously this takes away a lot of money from the athletes, because if, if I'm a sponsor, of course, I know I'm going to get my greatest exposure at the Olympic games. But if, I have a month, I think it's two weeks before the games and two weeks after, if there was a month period that I cannot even say, hey, we're, we are proud to support our athlete going into the games, we're proud of our athlete, how they performed, and we wish them well after. I think, well, why am I going to invest in that athlete? So this is very clear, it's very obvious how this is taking money out of the, the athlete's pocket. Rule 50 is this: the statement or the ruling around protests or any kind of um, adverse behavior um, that could be seen as, as a negative light to the IOC, to the Olympic spirit, blah, 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 blah. Um, the issue is if we focus on the peaceful protest, if we focus on human rights, well, this actually goes against the spirit of, the, of Olympicism and the spirit of, of the Olympic games um, be, because a peaceful kneeling or a peaceful hand gesture or or anything like this that is very clear, um, you know, clearly stated. But unfortunately in Rule 50, it is also directly stated that the hand motion um, is is forbidden. So there there are a lot of, uh, we could say discriminatory um, writing uh, in Rule 50, but we we merely want to modify it. We don't want to erase Rule 50 because if anyone can go on the medal stand and do as they wish, it will be abused. Mm-hmm. But what we're trying to say is give the athletes the avenue. As a human, you should have the right to express yourself, happy, sad, wh- whatever it may be. You should be able to express yourself um, in, in the way you feel if if it obviously is not hurting someone. But a, a simple kneel, a raising of the fist, something to, to express pain or, or um, frustration or anything with an injustice, we, we don't understand how this actually goes against um, anything that that would tarnish the light or, or even one excuse they're using is take away from the moment of the others. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, pain and, and the expression of this is, is it's human. Um, you know, and, and so if an athlete is pushed up and, and, and is said to be a role model and, and to be a superhero and things like this, but the, the fans should also know that they are human, you know, and, and so um, this is the levels that, that we are trying to hit on to to not erase rule 50, but to modify it that the athletes should have the avenues to express themselves outside of the press conference. I think if the medals stand is so significant, give the athlete that right. It's a, it's a human right, you know, and and um, you know, make sure as long as it's hang respectful, as long as it's very clear, the message is very clear, then it should be allowed.
0: So, um, you mentioned like, as long as the message is respectful and clear, do you mean like it needs approval first so that people don't just get up there and people are like, what are they going to do up there?
1: Exactly. So even, and, and that is, the, that is the thing that that I've I've said, even if it is to get approved first, to make sure, guys, everyone is not going and doing a cartwheel on the metal stand and, and saying, well, it's a free spin. No, make sure that the message is clear, make sure it is respectful, make sure it is not taking away from anyone else, but it's only a mere expression, I'm doing this in support of, of others. As, as you've seen globally, whether with uh, soccer, whether with all uh, basketball, the, the athletes kneeling on the court, mm-hmm. on the field, You know, it, this is not disrupting anyone, but it is a, it is a sign of support for, for those that, that are facing this. Um, you know, if the message is clear, it should be fine. Um, you know, but uh, of course, for those athletes that wish to abuse it and wish to have their own agenda, then it's fine. You, sh- you can penalize them.
0: I'm curious as someone who has been on the podium multiple times, did you ever feel like you wanted to do anything like that, but couldn't?
1: To be honest, um, yeah, the my first Olympic Games, uh, I, I, I thought it was unfortunate because I was actually so I could say at that time I was not a Nike athlete and I had a separate sponsor and wanted to wear my my sponsor's gear um, on the podium because for me this is almost showing my appreciation for their support of getting me here. Um, this was not allowed, and this is why when I started to think of this rule forty because they couldn't even say congratulations for winning gold. They, they, you know, and and I thought this would have been a cool moment that we could have shared because it's a journey to get there. Um, but then I understood that there are a lot of uh, rights and, you know, that companies are paying billions, millions of dollars for this. But I, I thought still, you know, in this moment, it would have been nice to say, hey, thank you. Watch. Thank you. You know, glasses. Thank you mm-hmm. for your support to, to get to this moment. Um, you know, and and that, that was a bit difficult, but when it comes to a protest or something like this, no, to be honest, um, before this point, I mean, in Rio, I was, I was crying my eyes out, you know, so I was not even thinking of, of Mm -hmm. anything like this. I was just so grateful to be back again. And, and yeah, yeah. I I think if, even if I was to protest, I probably would have done it so incorrectly because I had so many emotions going that I probably would have messed something up, you know? And so, um, now i think i would definitely have a more level head but uh yeah previously it was on the sponsorship or or just an overflow of emotion
0: um two thoughts i feel like i feel like this will go down as such an iconic picture with emma coburn with her like shoes draped over her shoulder um i don't know if she was the first one to do something like that but it was it was very much talked about and i think we'll continue to talk about it right
1: Absolutely, yeah. We, you got to think. I mean, even if you watch The Last Dance, you you see Michael Jordan, you know, putting the American flag over, um, you know, the logos and stuff. So there there are the athletes that that will try that, um, you know. But for me, it's it is always about risk versus reward. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and it's it's a bit difficult, but the, you know, there are those gutsy athletes that will go for it.
0: Yeah. I do not I didn't even think about that being gutsy of her. Like, I mean, like it was a bold statement, but I didn't even think about, Oh my gosh, could they take her medal away or any, you know, anything like that? Wow.
1: Move from the village. Your medal can be like, it yeah. is not a little slap on the wrist.
0: Naive of me to think that. Okay. My other question just coming off of what you just said is why were your emotions so high in Rio? Were they higher in Rio than they were um, in London? Like what, 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 what were you so extra emotional about?
1: Um, just the pressure. You know, uh, m- London Games, I was 22 years old. It was my first Olympic Games and everyone was talking about how it is going to be a great experience, a life experience. And you can learn mm-hmm. so much. Take in the sights and take in, you know, every moment and, and journal everything. And, and I won and I was like, wow, that that was cool. Um, you know, was not expecting that. But then obviously after that, the bar is set quite high and it becomes expectation. So when you become second in a competition, people think, what's going on? Are you injured? Are you sick? And you think, no, I don't win them all. I'm, I'm human. Um, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, you know, I always strive and my coach and I always strive to be the best, you know, at the championship. Um, but then in, yeah, in 2016, the pressure was so high, um, you know, only doing one Olympic Games previously, you know, it was set on not even just winning. It was, will will I break the world record at this time? Um, You know, how big the gap will be uh, in the win, you know? And so, and I, and I just thought, yeah, yes. uh, You know, I also, it is another Olympic experience. I want to make the most of it, but it it was just from every hospitality house I went to. Um, My, my friends came from the U.S. My, my, my family came from Barbados. and, and, And so it was like, because the expectation was so great, no one wanted to miss it. So not many people came to the first one because they thought he's young and he's just going to go through it, through the motions. But after I won, everyone was like, well, I cannot miss if he wins again.
2: Mm. And
1: it went from all of four people being at the games to <laughs> 15. And wow. this is a significant pressure you have on your shoulders. And and I thought, oh my gosh, I have family from Canada. I have uh, family from, from the UK. I have family they came all this way to see me win, not to see me compete, yeah. not to see me give my best, to see me win. And anything less than that is a failure. And so this was so heavy on my shoulders. And and once I got to the podium, yeah, they were all there and they were oh. cheering and, and, and they were so happy. But for me, I could only cry because I thought, wow, I'm so glad I didn't let you down. Um, and this was really almost just a relief. Like it's over. I've got four years now to <laughs> do that. And, and, I really, I, as soon as I, I got out the the stadium, I gave them the medal and said, yeah, go celebrate it, enjoy it. Because I thought it was like, this is what you guys came, actually came for, you know, enjoy that and I, I will see you tomorrow. Um, so yeah, that that was really a heavyweight.
0: Hey, everybody, a quick break here to thank a sponsor for this episode. And that is Prevenex. Prevenex is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements, and I actually recently interviewed the founder, David Block, over on the Illuminate podcast. So you can learn all about Prevenex over there on my most recent episode with him. But I have a quick message to you all from David himself here.
2: Thanks, Lindsay. So a question I get asked frequently is why our Joint Health Plus supplement is so effective for runners in particular. And really, the short answer comes down to science and clinical data. The main active ingredient in Joint Health Plus is clinically proven to reduce joint pain, reduce joint stiffness, and improve joint flexibility in seven to 10 days, which is a huge claim for a nutritional supplement. But even beyond that, and something that's even bigger in my opinion, this same ingredient is clinically proven to protect joint cartilage from breakdown during exercise. And we're not talking about rinky-dink clinical studies. We're talking multi-center, double-blinded, placebo-controlled human clinical studies. So if joint longevity, joint performance, and joint health matters to you, you should give Joint Health Plus a try. And I'd encourage you to go read the reviews of all the runners and many others who've benefited using the product. And the best part is that we take on all the risk. If you don't feel benefits within 30 days, we'll give you a full refund, no questions asked. So you literally have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to Prevenex.com. that's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com, and use code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. Thanks again, Lindsay.
0: All right, friends. Let's get back to my conversation with Christian Taylor. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I can't imagine the pressure of a a reigning Olympic champion like, oh, he's going to do it again. And I do think as fans of the sport, you see these people that win all the time. You know, I'm thinking of like Usain Bolt or Allison Felix or, you know, these big big superstars that you think, Oh my gosh, they're unbeatable. Nobody can beat them. And to actually be that person. How do you process that?
1: Right. right. Yeah. That's, that is the thing. If, if Allison or Usain saying come second, if Michael Phelps comes second, everyone, the world is ending. It's, it's, it's like they're put on this podium and I cannot even say I'm, I'm even close to the circle, but you know, they're, they're put on this podium that it's like, it's superhuman really. Um. And, and if, if you're not first, you're last. It's, it's, you know, everything is it's we have to see if the earth is still spinning, um, you know. And so for me, just to have a, a taste of that, you know, I just thought what what a, a heavy weight to carry. And it made me have even greater respect for them, you know, mm. to think of the media pool that they had and, and to think I had 15 people in the stands, you know, but to think when, when Usain runs, it, it feels like a country is behind him, mm. that he not only represents himself, but all of Jamaica.
2: Mm-hmm. if not
1: all of the Caribbean, you know, and I, and I, I've got to imagine that that is a heavy burden.
0: Yeah. One day I'm going to interview him one day. Dreaming big. <laughs>
1: yeah, And he, he just had a kid also too. So maybe he's got some free time between nursing. Uh,
0: oh yeah. I didn't know that. He just, they just had a baby. I didn't know that. Yeah, did Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, Okay. So let's talk about the triple jump because that is your sport. But I did see on Instagram, you recently ran a 100.
1: I did. And I'm actually running again on uh, Saturday. Um, so yeah, this is the year I'm just trying to, because there's no world ranking points, there's no Olympic games. So I thought th- if, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to try to improve uh, myself. And and one thing I can always work on is speed and what better way than, than doing the hundred meter dash. So Um, that is what I've really taken on this year. I've had a lot of fun with it and, and just really been trying to get faster and faster to bring that on the runway next year.
0: Wow. Okay. So I should know this, but like, tell me your history with the hundred.
1: Oh, there's been,
2: uh, (laughs) okay.
1: So, so, uh, historically I've been a 400 meter background. Um, so all through high school, college, uh, world relays, I've, I've done 400 four by four. Um, and this year I just thought, why not, um, you know, it's you don't get the lactic, the butt lock that you get from four hundred, uh-huh. so that's really nice. Um, yeah, you're out of breath, but really in five minutes you're fine. Versus, yeah. you know, five minutes I'm now getting off the ground off of, after the four hundred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was just really just mix it up and and because obviously even the training was so different with three months off of the track, um, I was not able to do the speed endurance that I would normally do. So I just thought, you know, why not just run in a straight line as fast as you can.
0: Okay, so tell us what what time did you run last week?
1: So I run ten fifty eight. Okay, um, which is actually my new personal best. Okay,
0: congratulations. I,
1: yeah, I haven't done it so often. Um, thank you. So almost every time I run, it, it's a personal uh-huh. best. But um, yeah, and this week I'm my goal is 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 ten three. That okay. would be that would be really good for me.
0: Okay, and I'm sure you know this. I don't. Uh, what's like world record pace? Like what's Usain Bolt oh running gosh. the one hundred in?
1: 9.5. Nine
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So like more than a second faster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not even close.
0: So what is that like then putting yourself in a situation where you know you're not gonna be the best when you're like, you know, the best in the world in the triple jump?
1: Yeah, for me it's 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 actually quite humbling. Um so when I go to the triple jump, I'm extremely confident. You know, I it's it's muscle memory. I know what I need to do to execute. I know I I I know my competitors. Really, I I study so much. I know the triple jump in and out. So for me, when I get into the call room, it is what do I need to do today to get the best out of myself. Now, when I go to a one (laughs) hundred, it's more than likely that I will lose. Like I if I if I'm in the top three, I'm I'm actually quite happy. But this is not even my element, you know. And so it's really just. I know it sounds weird, but watching my competitors to see how, what I can take from them to, to improve my race. Um, you know? And so, and, and I'm not shy of, of asking also, I'm, I've been on Instagram over the last month, just really speaking to hundred meter runners. Hey, what do you do for block starts? What do you do to be explosive? What do you do at 30 meters? Because I, I don't know this race, you know, um, it's, it's very different to, to me and, and some people are really laughing, um, uh, and saying like, look, just enjoy yourself. And some people yeah. actually are, are quite helpful. Um, but it is a completely different feeling. And, and as I said, it's humbling because when you go into something knowing versus you go into something like you have no chance, um, you know, it, it it's a really good way to ground you.
0: That is so fun. I love it. It's like, why not? And and yeah. it'll be fun to see like what building blocks that is that is for the triple. Absolutely. Okay, so let's just share a little bit. We're kind of going backwards. It's fine though. Um, okay. we do what we want here, right? Yeah. Uh your show. <laughs> you let's talk about getting into the triple jump though, because how does one actually get into the triple jump? It's definitely a more unique Discipline in track and field?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Really, just trial and error. I did cross country when I was in middle school. Um, And yeah, after about two meets, I was really done with that. That was just way too long to run. And (laughs) then, um, yeah, I did the the 400, the 800, long jump. Um, I I really just 200. I, I was really just doing trial and error. And then eventually I did long and triple. And for the triple jump, I was one of the only ones in my class to make it into the sand. So the coach was mm-hmm. like, okay, you're going to do this for points. Um, and then the long jump, I was quite taller than my my classmates. And so um, it just came very easy and I was jumping very far. And, and then the coach was like, okay, you're long a long and triple jumper. Now go watch, well, at this time it was VHS. So it was like, <laughs> go watch the VHS tapes and, and learn the event. And that's what I did. And I really just started doing that and um, yeah, went to East Bay. And I, I don't even know if this site has still existed, but yeah, went to East Bay and and bought some parachutes and started bounding in my front yard.
0: Yeah. So triple jump uh, for the listeners, you go one foot, next foot, that foot again, and, and take off. To,
1: so, tell so, everybody what it is. Right. So the triple jump is actually, it's obviously three contacts, the, the triple, um, but it is, you jump off the same foot twice okay. and then do the opposite foot and then okay. into the sand. So that is the most, cause if it was the opposite, it would be so much, so much easier. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you have to really hop on the one foot again, this kills your momentum. You get, s- the impact is unbelievable. Um, and, and that is what makes it very difficult to continue that speed and, and to continue into the sand.
0: Okay. So like hop, hop, right foot, left foot, Correct. Like you're launching off the left foot then? That's it. Okay. Okay. And then I also heard you say that you switched legs because you had like a knee injury. So that's crazy.
1: Yes. So in, yeah, in 2012, I, so I was now the first, um, athlete to win the Olympics off of both legs. That's wild. uh, Yeah. In 2012, I was, I just had so much, like the tendonitis was getting so bad. And I was to the point where I couldn't even train anymore. Um, we would do a jump session and for four days, my knees would just be inflamed. And I was doing acupuncture, complex, uh, icing, massage, everything just to get the inflammation down, just to be able to train again, to swell it back up. So it was just so annoying because mm. really I, I was jumping then on the bike for the rest of the week or in the pool. Um, and I just thought this is not a way that I'm going to challenge a world record. This is not a way that I can be a reigning champion. Um, and so in, in 2014, it, this was the off year for, for Americans. Um, you know, we don't have any championship. And my coach and I just said, look, we're just going to start over, start from the other leg and, and you know, see what we can do. If it doesn't work, your career is over. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And this was very difficult because, as you can imagine, I lost every meeting this year, um, which is, I, again, it's for me, it's not always about winning, but it is also difficult when you're losing something that – I, I was so good at, you know, yeah. I was Olympic champ and, and world champ by this point. Um, was I, I really had a lot of attention for being so successful at such a young, young age? To everyone being like, yeah, maybe he like burned bright and, and he was done because I was not telling the media that I switched legs. Okay, so that was the thing because what I also didn't want to do is take away from my competitors and meaning like if if they won, I didn't want it to be highlighted that you won because of. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought if I go to compete, I, I go to compete and my competitors don't care. They also don't need to know what's going on. Um, you win, you beat me. I showed up to compete. So I gave it my best, though I was still learning. Um, and then at, in the next year, I started started jumping again and getting used to it and obviously went back to being a world champ. And then this is when I announced, oh, just so you know, um, the last two years I was relearning how to jump. Wow. People started going to YouTube and and, and, and they, oh my gosh, we had no idea. But for me, it was, like I said, I didn't want to bring the attention on myself. I wanted really my competitors to enjoy this moment and and be uplifted and and focus on them, not focus on what I could and cannot do. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it was really a growing period for me. That's
0: so smart and such a mature way to go about it. Did anybody notice though? Like, was anybody like, wait a minute, I see what you're doing here.
2: No, no, Nobody. no,
1: I never had, I never had anyone message me on social media or nothing. Huh. Um, wow. yeah, I, I had a lot of people saying like, yeah, yeah what happened? <laughs> uh, maybe you should think about retiring. Um, you know, like you had a great career that like, I really had a lot of people yeah, like counting me out, you know. And I just said, yeah, it's just my coach and I are working on something. My coach and I are working on something, and they were like, yeah, it's not working. So y'all might want to switch it up, Um, you know. And so, for instance, I almost jumped eighteen meters, or, or yeah, uh, fifty-nine feet with with one foot uh, with with my left foot, and then I went to the other foot and was jumping fifty-five. You know, like max out. But wow. I was so happy every week because I was pain free. My knee was fine. You know, so again, these moments make you not take these small moments for granted, you know, the little victories. And so when I walked away and I would compete on Saturday, have Sunday off and Monday, I was like, coach, I can train, you know? Mm. And I really just remember just smiling from ear to ear, just feeling this freedom that like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. We can do this. And yeah, once once we got back to the top, it was like, that was a hard fight. Um, but yeah, now we're back.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, that probably had something to do with the tears in 2016, too. I mean, that's a huge thing to overcome.
1: It, it was quite a journey, for sure.
0: Okay. So you mentioned you had family in from Barbados. So you're from Georgia. Are your, your parents both from Barbados?
1: Correct. Yeah. So my parents, my grand Yeah. So my uh, my sister and I are first generation okay. Americans. Okay. Um, but yeah, the rest of my family is actually from the small island of Barbados. And... There's also some in the UK, so yeah, some some came to New York, some went to the UK, and yeah, anyone everyone else is really still on the island.
0: Oh, cool. Okay, so is your sister an athlete too?
1: She yeah, she was actually a track and field athlete. Now she's she's long done, um, but she was a track and field athlete, and she actually went to a rival university, of Kentucky. Ah. Um, so I was happy for her to be in the SEC, but obviously you understand SEC rivalry is pretty uh-huh. intense. So <laughs> being a Florida Gator. It was it was a bit difficult.
0: Were you guys in at the same time?
1: Um, No, she's four years younger than me. So once I got out, then she came in. But still, I I didn't want my parents like, yes, we were both wearing blue, but I I didn't want to see that the UK.
0: (laughs) Um, Why did you choose to go to Florida?
1: Um, To believe it or not, my my parents chose it. You know, uh, I went on my visits and I went to a, yeah, as I can openly say now, I really partied and and really enjoyed myself. Um, And when I went to Florida, it was actually just an off weekend. You know, they had homecoming the weekend before. So it seemed like the whole city was just recovering. Um, And I came home and I was like, yeah, it's a beautiful school. But yeah, we didn't, we didn't party. We didn't, like the other visits were just so much fun. And my parents were like, that's the one for you. Because you weren't partying at
0: that one. Yeah.
1: And, and I mean, but joke was on them because that year, then it became like the Princeton voted number one party school <laughs> in the nation. Um, because then we had like Tim Tebow win the national championship, Joakim Noah with the national uh, uh, championship with basketball. So having football, basketball, national championship yeah, in the South, you can imagine is, is king. Yeah. So it was this, then Gainesville became the place to be. And, and I was like, thanks mom and dad, you know, and <laughs> they weren't so happy about that, but, um, nonetheless, yeah, it was just, they just had this piece about them. Um, you know, and, and coach mouse, you know, Mike Holloway, uh, was, it was really close to them. And, and I think was comforting them because his big focus was, yeah, he's going to do his best to, to help me become the best athlete I can be. But most importantly, like I'm going to leave with a degree, um, and, and he's going to do what he can to groom me to be a gentleman. And this is something that really stuck with, with me, you know, cause I can almost quote it now, but, um, stuck with them also because everyone else was saying, we you didn't get you to Olympic games or you're going to be a national champion and things like this. But he was like, yeah, I'm going to try to do my best to get the best ad- athlete out of him, but he's going to be a good person after. Um, and this was, this was a really good standout feature for me. That's
0: so huge. my, oldest son is eight and he's starting to get pretty heavily involved in soccer. And I'm like paying attention to how these coaches are talking to him and what they're saying, because coaches just can be such an instrumental, either positive or negative um, person in someone's life. So talk about your relationships with your coaches and how that, I mean, you took this to heart clearly.
1: Wow. I think that was like the quote of I wish I could like take that quote from you. Um, this is something I, I really wish people would take more serious. Uh, the, the responsibility of a coach is I mean, you are not just a, a sport coach, you're a life coach. You know, you have such great influence on on that individual, both on and off whatever the field of play is, um, you know how they their self-worth. Um, the, the confidence, that, I mean, I, we could really just go on a whole different path with that because really I, I, I do have a, a very high level of respect for coaches, but I, it also really frustrates me when I see coaches abusing that power mm-hmm. and them not realizing actually how, how much you are affecting that person's life. Um, but sorry. Yeah. I'm, i I just was really pulled from that because I, I really do value your words um, you know you know with that but uh especially at such a young age but yeah my the coaches i've had have been absolutely phenomenal i've been so blessed to to have coaches from from all different levels you know my club coach uh my high school coach was was actually one of my best friends you know we're still very very good friends and and somebody I really did life with, but really somebody that just just instilled confidence in me. You know, it was one thing to train well. It was one thing to, I, you know, if we made it to the NSI, you know, the 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 New Balance Scholastic Indoor Championship. You know, that, that was that was the top of the top. But he was like, even if you don't make it, man, like, you know, you you're strong. You you, you can do. That. And he was just always pouring just so much positivity in me. Um, you know, and and that is somebody I really try to give credit to when people say, well, how do you always find the silver lining? How do you always find, you know, the positive outlet? I said, yeah. My coach, like mm-hmm. my coach really, instilled that from the beginning, you may be hurt, but maybe God is protecting you from something that would have been worse, you know? And it was just like, how do you have this perspective? Um, so that was, that was really awesome. So I, I do, yeah. Thank coach Eric for that. Um, but then after that, yeah, as I told you, you know, uh, coach mouse, um, from, from the day, I was being recruited from the house visit, you know, when he was speaking to, to me and my parents. To the time I came to the campus, to to really walking across the stage, um, you know, in graduation. Um, and and he's even the Olympic coach for Tokyo, so we get to even go to Tokyo oh, together. Fine. I'm very excited about that. Um, he's the head coach for, for the track and field team. Um, but yeah, he was really like a like a second dad to me. You know, um, he would straighten me out if he ever heard any kind of mess about me and my roommates having too much fun um and you know but he always had that that fine line that when when i stepped on the track it was it was time to work you know um and as soon as that last whistle went it was hugging and and you know like hey you know uh go get that you know go to tutoring get your schoolwork done you know and it for me just having this balance was incredible and he's somebody i can call um to today you know he's he's never missed a phone call he's he's always always there for me um so I've always been really grateful for that
0: that's that's so cool yeah I I read somewhere or I listened to a podcast or something where someone said the most important thing you can say to your kids when you're watching them play um and work hard at something is just I love watching you play I love watching you run I love watching you compete um, and you are involved in this classroom champions,
2: Correct. um,
0: as, as a mentor. So talk about that. And like the message you, you know, cause the message that us as parents are sending to our kids looks different than the message, the mentors and the coaches a little bit. I mean, we all want to relay that same thing, but like, what do you want your message to those kids be?
1: Yeah. Um, believe it or not. And maybe this is, phew, uh, maybe parents or, or other athletes or whatever would be upset with this. But one message I always send out is that you cannot be scared to fail. Mm.
2: That failure
1: is not always like it, it's always putting this negative light in. And, you, can, you know, if, if you don't win, it's what it's, it's, you can learn so much from failure. And the, the biggest wins, the biggest the biggest achievements come from actually not making it the first time, you know. And so this is one thing I, I try to embrace uh, with my students. Um, it's guys, it's okay. Set goals. And if you don't reach it the first time, let's look at it, you know, make analysis and, and take another road, you know, take a step back and to go forward. Um, but so many, so many kids are just so scared of letting someone down or, or, or failing to miss that goal. And and I, and, and I think take that pressure off your shoulders, you know, like I know what it's like to be in that, in that position. Don't go down that road. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not healthy. It's okay to fail the people around you still gonna love you your teacher is still gonna love you your parents are still gonna love you and you just go back at it again um and then secondly believe in yourself really this is something i not even just to the kids but my my uh training group and everything if you get into the starting blocks and you do not believe that you are gonna get the best not that you will win but that you can get the best out of you today you know then i feel like you've defeated yourself you've already taken yourself out of the race so I just always tell people, when you get to the starting line, when you uh, get to the runway, whatever it may be, um, you know, before you start your race, you know, just tell yourself, I can do it. I'm, I'm going to be great today. And today, is good. today is a great day to, to, to be a great day. Um, you know, and, and, and I think when you start thinking that and, and, and actually just really holding on to that, then actually really special things happen.
0: I love that. Okay, what exactly is Classroom Champions?
1: Yeah, Classroom Champions is, um, yeah, thanks for asking me about it. It is another Florida Gator is is the founder of it. Um, so obviously I'm very proud of that. But it is a program where Olympians from Canada and the US partner with classrooms and teachers um, across Canada and the US. And um, this year, for instance, I have nine classes and it's all virtual. So For all the parents that are worried about COVID, it is virtual. Is it always Um,
0: virtual regardless of COVID? So
1: you have the option. So I have some Florida schools also. Um, So whenever I'm back in the US, um, you know, I I can go visit my schools, but obviously times are very different now. Yeah. Um, But yes, it is. 90 percent virtual unless you live in the city where your students are um and it is really just every month you you share a lesson um but it's a life lesson that is the thing it is uh adversity perseverance um grits uh positive mindset um setting goals so just life lessons that we can take from our athletic experience and, and to share with the kids because again if, if uh athlete is looked at as a superhuman and and this this Superhuman is telling you, hey, I I didn't make the the lift that I wanted to do, but this happens. The same way maybe you studied really hard and didn't get 100 on the test. You know, uh, yeah, you're sad, but you brush it off and you get back at it. And the next time, you know, and so passing these lessons on that are really relatable. Um, you know, And as you know, as a parent, sometimes you just need, you can really look at your kid and say, I said the same exact thing, but they're just receptive mm. from somebody else. You know,
0: that's so true.
1: And that can be very frustrating because many of the teachers are like, I tell them this all the time. But because they hear it from this Uh person, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, we got to do this now. So it it has just been really amazing to be able to just change really thousands of people's um, little little kids lives, you know, around the world or the U S and Canada.
0: That's so cool. And that is so true. I oftentimes, and I don't even know if this is the right thing to do as a parent, you know, we're always learning and trying to figure things out. But I always say when my son will respond in a negative way, I'll say, um, would you talk to your teacher like that? You know, like <laughs> I feel like Mrs. Hoffman would say the same thing that I'm saying right now, because we're doing virtual learning, e-learning right. right now. And it's like this whole nother ball game. But, um, and and I think that parents have to totally just embrace that too, like, and be thankful that there are external people that are pouring into their kids. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about your faith a little bit. I know that plays a big part in your life. Um, have you always been a Christian? Like what w- did you always have a relationship with God? What did that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, w- I would say that the quote that I steal from my pastor is that I was a Christian atheist. Mm. Um, so I believed in God, but I lived like he didn't exist. Mm. Um, you know, and, and when I heard him say this, I was like, wow, you know cuz i've always identified myself as a christian i went to church i went to catholic school um you know like god was always around my life um but once i was 21 um god entered my life and and this was the biggest difference that i started having a relationship with him i started studying the bible i started actually being obedient um you know and and unfortunately it took me that long path of being very worldly and and yeah, just trying to almost think of just the short goals versus eternity, you know. And so, um, yeah, over the last um, now nine years, I'm I, I'm 30, you know, unbelievable now. But over the last nine years, I've just been able to to build this unbelievable relationship with God and and to watch Him work in and around my life, um, you know, and and really even be challenged by really unexplainable experiences, you know, we can only say like that the Holy spirit really pushed you towards something, but there's been so many occasions where I I've just been challenged to go talk to somebody. I've been challenged to, to, to do something. And I think, why, you know, why, why this? And then I have this experience and, and I think, thank you, God, thank you for giving me the courage to go. And I really, I could be in the grocery store and just go to someone and say, Hey, you're doing a great job you know i i don't know what you've got going on in your life but i i'm supposed to tell you that you're a great parent you know and it could be the kid is really just pulling (laughs) on their hair or whatever but it's just like you know and and maybe we're checking out and they're like wow i i actually just needed those words of affirmation you know um so it's it's and obviously you get more and more confident once you have reactions like this because sometimes i can also get hey just go pray for this person and i'll go to somebody hey do you mind if i pray for you and they'll be like yeah that's weird (laughs) uh you know and i'll be like hey no problem i i don't know i i just felt this pull. um i'm gonna pray for you anyway but we don't have to pray together you know um so it's it's just been i would say for me it's just been very cool because i've also in the christian family and christian faith like. It's just, it's amazing that you can go anywhere in the world, not speak the same language, uh, whatever, but it's like God and, and Christianity can really unite you. Uh, it is such a special bond knowing that, yeah, you have a father that just loves you. Just this this very unique love. Um, and now the thing is, now that my fiance and I are starting to prepare to get married and obviously have the conversations about kids and, and think um, what, what a unique bond and, and love that a parent must have for their child that we don't know but we think, yeah, how could, how could God give his son, you know, like, how could a parent do this? And and when we speak to parents, they think, you know, I would never, I would never let anything happen to my kid, you know, but to think someone loves you so much, you know, it, it's really almost overbearing.
0: What do you do with your, do you ever have doubt? All the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Almost daily. How um, do you face you know, that? Yeah. The thing is, uh, scripturally, you know, so, um, I mean, I, I really have my, like my Bible with me always is my little like travel Bible. Um, got my, even my fiance. So I'm like Uh... praying over, praying over her every day. Um, but yeah, uh, the thing is when doubt comes, you know, I just say, you know, it's, it's really just a lie. It's, it's really just something from the devil. You know, it's, it's something that like, no, I, I am loved, I, I'm, you know, perfectly made and I'm strong and I'm courageous. And, and these are all things from the Bible. This is like, this is how God sees us, you know? So if I doubt something, um, I, I really believe like, no, this is not your voice. This is not because the way our father looks at us, it's like, no, you were made for this moment, mm. you know, or, and, and I have a plan for you. And so it's like, that is what I pray every day. Like I, but I don't know what happens, but like, let me just like do your plan properly. Let me just like touch somebody in in some way and 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 hopefully have an impact on their life, you know. And so um when doubt comes, I I really just try to push it away. But it 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 comes. It really it comes almost daily.
0: So is your fiance first of all, when are you guys getting married?
1: Yeah, so we were supposed to we were supposed to get married October third this year. Oh um, really due to the travel ban because we were supposed to get married in in Jacksonville. Um wow but yeah obviously that's just not going to happen. Um, and so now we've rescheduled it for September next year.
0: Okay. So you're just postponing a year. Correct. Okay. Um, was she already a Christian when you met? Like, did you guys already walk in your faith separately first?
1: Yeah. So she actually was not a Christian, um, okay. was Christian atheist. Also, uh, sure. grew up in Roman Catholic church. Um, but to be honest in Austria, um, I I don't, I think I mentioned she's Austrian, but yeah, in Austria, um, Christianity is completely different. It is really very traditional, very Uh boring. I'm just going to (laughs) be frank. It it is really, there's nothing about God's love and it is just pray the rosary Uh meal, do the you know, just really rhythmic, you know, um, not
0: relational,
1: not relational. And, yeah. And after, um, 2016, we started dating and I actually, um, that Easter. So we started dating in March and, um, yeah, that Easter, I just said, Hey, um, maybe this is quite forward, but you know, Easter service is, is coming up. Would you want to come to church with me? And she actually said, yeah, just don't be surprised if I don't come back. Mm really. And I was like, Hey, no problem. But for me, it's important to, yeah, I know you're, you're not really a Christian Christian, but you know, for me, this is important. If, if this is how I want to take my family and, and long-term, but I'm really open. I know we just started. Yeah. And she went and, and my pastor was really, I, I my church is just so Southern mentality. Yeah. So you come and, and like everyone is pre-COVID hugging each <laughs> other. And <laughs> I have to make that statement. Totally. Um, yeah, but. Yeah. Everyone is just hugging and welcoming and like, everyone is like family, you know? And she was really immediately like, what is everyone doing? Like, Uh you know, like everyone's like, Hey, good to see you. Welcome home. And, you know, and she's like home, like (laughs) I'm a guest, you know? And so it was just a completely different experience. And yeah, like he was preaching and just like, I mean, she had really the the amazing experience I had that. She said that he was preaching and she just felt like it was just like, just spoken to her, Uh you know? Um, and was just crying and and really just like, wow, this is something. And yeah. So she she started asking so many questions and, and yeah, what is this? What is this? You know? And, and um, yeah. So we just started diving in, which was a great challenge for me because I was like, well, she's holding me accountable. Like I need to make sure I know Uh the word. I need to make sure I study. And then this is when I actually like put her in the Bible because it was like every day I was just like, Lord, there's a reason she's in my life. You know, like, but I want her to get to know you. And, and so I just started praying over her every day. Um, and really like she had a track meet later that season and like at the track meet, she, well, I was not even there and and she got baptized and sent me the picture and was like, Hey, look, like, look what I did today. And I thought it was going to be like her performance, you know, it was just
0: out of nowhere. You didn't know was she was going to do nowhere. it.
1: I, no idea. Huh? And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, and I felt bad because I, I wanted to be there, you know? Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, it's not about me anyway. So I was just like, I'm so happy for you. And literally, like, she was in her speed suit. So it was legit, like, at the meet, she said that like, she was in the blocks and she had this, like, this burning sensation on her heart. And she was like, no, today's the day. Like, I, I got to do it. And she <laughs> said she finished her race, found a chaplain at the meet, and was like, will you baptize me? And they found a river, like, by the meet. And, and she got baptized there just like that.
0: Wow. And That's I was like, so cool.
1: God, so yeah, that, that was really amazing.
0: Did any, like, was it just her, the chaplain? Like, did any of her teammates like follow her down so to the river?
1: Two other. Yeah. So a, a lot of people came with her, but two other athletes also got baptized that day. Also.
0: Wow. It was
1: almost contagious, you know, but, um, Were you shocked? Yeah, they, Were you
0: like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, You you can imagine, like, it, it's it's like, it, really, like, I thought she would just send me a video of the meet, or maybe yeah. she ran a PV or something. And it was her standing, like, like there was a guy standing there, she was like this, in a river, in the <laughs> speed suit. So I was like, what is going on? And sh- she said, yeah, I just got baptized, you know? And I was like, you literally jumped off the track, went to this river. Oh, my gosh. This was amazing. So, yeah, this was really unreal.
0: What year was that?
1: 2016.
0: Oh, she did that in 2016.
1: She
2: did
0: wow that's so cool and just so everybody because most people are going to listen i will put the video on youtube too but he's like showing me a picture of his bible with a picture of his fiance <laughs> yeah. in the bible that's so cool what event does she do does she still compete the
1: hurdles Yeah, okay. she does she does the um hundred meter hurdles so she's actually uh, been to she was finalist in london in okay. 2012 um she was in rio also and and Yeah, things are going really well now. So hopefully um, we're going to be in Tokyo together also.
0: Okay. And remind, is it BD? What's her name?
1: Yeah, Beate Stratt.
0: I knew I was going to say it wrong. Okay. Um, okay. And tell us how you met. Like, was it at a meet?
1: Yeah, we met actually. uh, First time was my very first um, world championship, 2011 in Daegu. Um, Our coaches just introduced us and said, yeah, when she comes to America, she's going to be doing training camps with our group. Okay. Thought That's cool. Um, Yeah. And did not see her for two years after that. Um, Then she came to, I was at this time I was living in Daytona, Florida and was just a a camp teammate. And, you know, we hung out then, but literally, yeah, we, she was living in Austria. I was living in the U S. So yeah, it was really not actually a strong crossover. Um, But then in 2015, she joined, our drink training group. So she left oh, her okay. coach and actually switch coach. And then we got to actually start talking and meet each other.
0: You weren't sad about it when she joined.
1: <laughs> oh, no, very happy.
0: <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap up with end of podcast questions. Christian, what is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you have not done yet?
1: To be honest, go to Australia. That's really on my bucket list. So I would really like to, yeah, just spend a month in Australia.
0: Okay, and professionally, you've won two gold medals, four world championships, seven diamond leagues.
1: Yeah, world record. What, what, what
0: did? You, oh, world record. Duh. Yeah. So yeah. you're. I'm number two. 0. 0.8 centimeters from the world Correct. record.
1: Yeah, I'm eight centimeters away. So. Eight centimeters. Yeah, that's it's a bit um, disappointing.
0: Yeah. Okay. World record. We're gonna get that done. Okay. Uh, what is an accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: I can say my fiance's, uh, baptism, you know, contributing to that. I'm, I'm really, really happy for that because that's, I mean, that's a huge life goal. Um, Oh, I would say outside of that for really personally, um, yeah, graduating, uh, college, this, this was not a, a short journey. This was actually from 2008 to I graduated 2019. So, um, obviously having a significant break in between, but, yeah finishing finishing that diploma
0: love it what's the best most recent book you've read
1: Ooh, um five uh languages of love
0: oh who's that by gary chapman oh yeah 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 um do you know what your love language is
1: physical touch
0: okay and then what's your fiance's
1: quality time
0: okay um what is uh who is someone fun motivating or inspiring that you'd like to have coffee tea or cocktail with
1: Ooh, i like this um maybe it's gonna sound weird but i would say either will smith or george clooney
0: oh fun we'll just yeah. do both of them together
1: yeah just because i mean and george clooney is like mr nespresso anyway so maybe that works out even better but they really just make me I really just like them I like their style their uh-huh. energy stuff so, yeah
0: oh that's fun okay um what is your one message to send to the world
1: uh, love more
0: love more you heard it from Christian Taylor thank you so <laughs> much all right friends thank he's you. gonna he's gonna stay on for um, a couple extra minutes for patreon so if you support over there you can hear an extended conversation
1: perfect thank you everyone
0: thanks Christian. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Christian, for coming on the show. Again, you can find Christian over on Instagram. He's tailored to jump. And I'm on Instagram, Lindsay Hine 626 as well as Twitter at Hine and Facebook. I'll have another podcast with lindseyhines. We have a group over there as well. And actually in that group this month, we are reading a book together. We are reading Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. That is a book that Tiana Bartoletta suggested on this show. And uh, most of us are listening to it on audio, I do believe. All right, friends, we have another coaching episode coming out this week, next week with Andrew Castor. He coaches the Mammoth Track Club and he is the great Dina Castor's husband as well. So stick around for that. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss that episode. And if you are enjoying this podcast, Please consider leaving us a rating interview on iTunes or wherever you listen. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. Um, And yeah, make sure you're subscribed as well. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here. Have a really great rest of your day. And as always, I will see you next Friday.